For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope it's a payday for you. It's Friday for you weekly and bi-weekly wage earners. Today's a good day. It's 15th, right? Maybe you got a little extra cash. Go get out and do some cool things. Go uh, go out to eat, go to the show, whatever you want to do. Or maybe you just got to pay some bills. But either way, I hope that uh, your anxiety is somewhat lessened by the fact that perhaps you have some more money in your pocket. A lot to talk about today. I guess we'll talk about some basketball. I don't know that I really want to talk about basketball. I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated like many of you, but we'll uh, we'll talk our way through it. How about that? And uh, we'll look forward to a weekend ahead, hopefully a, a chance for the Bulldogs to rebound literally and figuratively. So we'll get into all that. Some more recruiting talk, too. We'll talk some Zach Arnett stuff later in the show. But, uh, yeah, the bottom line is, is that, uh, you know, here we are. And uh, I, I would say most of the season – with the exception that opening weekend, men's basketball has probably exceeded expectations. And I would say so far, women's basketball has not met expectations. But we're going to break some of that down. Uh, but listen, I, I hear it. I see you guys, too. And, and, and I don't think any side of any of this uh, is without merit. I think everybody sees it you know, kind of for what it is. And we're all so emotionally invested in the outcome of Mississippi State sporting events. We, we want to win. We, we're not just watching to watch. We're not just watching because these players represent our school and our home state. We're watching because we expect to win. And I can assure you everybody in administration knows that. But uh, certainly a lot of uh, disagreeable Bulldog fans out here today as it relates to men's and women's basketball. But, uh, again, I think we got to use a little bit of uh, patience here in some respects on, on both sides of the fence. And, uh, you know, probably one of those deals where – you know, it's probably been a little bit easier to be patient with the men because we've grown so accustomed to them being mediocre. Uh, you know, and people forget, you know, we finished fourth in the SEC last year. I, I still don't know if that was enough to get us in the men's tournament. I, I think we were out of it. And it's amazing how there is such a revisionist history about all that. I recall every leading bracketologist after the regular season as we got ready to go into the SEC tournament, everybody said we needed to win one but probably two games in the SEC tournament 
to get into the NCAA tournament field. Now, in hindsight, people go, well, you know, we were in a tournament last year. They just canceled it. Well, you know, I, I guess in many respects for the Holland apologist, you know, that's probably how they see it. But uh, that wasn't the reality back in March. The reality of the situation was, is despite the fact that we had, uh, you know, won some ball games, we had not won enough of the right ball games to put ourselves in a good situation. As you guys know, last year down the stretch, we lost to Buzz Williams and Texas A&M. Same thing we did this week. And it's kind of become a recurring theme. You know, for some reason, Buzz seems to have Ben's number. And this, this is not a good A&M team. It wasn't a good A&M team last year. Uh, but they came in here and they, they really took the defensive pressure to us and made us play their game. And and we struggled. And there, listen, I told you guys, you know, from the very beginning of the year, there's going to be some ebb and flow with a young team. You don't lose all that we lost, especially from the scoring pocket, and become a better team. We're sharing the basketball a little bit more, but uh, there are sometimes we'll get out there and run around and uh, don't look like we know exactly what we're doing. And a lot of that is inexperience. It truly is. Women's side's a little bit different. Hope that you guys have a chance to go spend some of that uh, hard-earned cash uh, at Bulldog Burger this weekend. Part of a great family of restaurants that has served the Golden Triangle oh so many years. They know, they know what they're doing, man. I mean, it's like it's not like it's just some fly-by-night place and said, "Hey, let's uh, let's go open up a burger joint and see if everybody will come." Because there's not a you know there's not a lot of great options for hamburgers and Starve outside of fast food. That's what happened. These are people that have done it for years and years and years in a variety of manners and open up a Bulldog Burger company. And it's an absolute home run. As you guys know, the Boneyard Burger of choice is the Pimentology at Bacon. I'm not a big pimento and cheese guy, but I love the Pimentology uh, there at Bulldog Burger Company. You need to find your own favorites, but absolutely have the spring rolls every time you go. It doesn't matter if you're going to get the sweet heat chicken sandwich or the uh, BLT salad. you got to have the spring rolls. I don't know that the Bulldog Burger Company experience is complete without having the spring rolls as an appetizer. And you may even want it as your entree. Very, very tasty. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Star Vegas and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a look at this uh, A&M Mississippi State game. I know some of you are already tired of thinking about it, ready to move on. But, um, you know, if I had recorded this show the day after that ball game, it would not have been nearly as polite as it's going to be today. I was very, very frustrated after the loss. I even talked about it some in the chat room over on Gene's page. But, uh, you know, these are the kind of games you can't lose. I mean, it, it's just the, re- the reality of it is, is that, you know, you're on your home floor against a very mediocre A&M team that had struggled to do much of anything in league play, and you lose the ball game. And lose it in kind of excruciating fashion. They were one and three in the league and six and four overall, and they come in here and steal a game on our home floor. Uh, not a good stretch. And you know, this is what everybody forgets. We had a ten point lead at the half. We had a ten point lead at the half. And listen, and I've got some social media activity with some of you guys, and everybody was happy. It's like, hey, that's a fun team to watch, man. I really like this team. We're doing good. And then about ten minutes into the second half. A lot of that optimism and affection for the team kind of faded. People are like, hey, what's going on? All of a sudden, a lot of the same concerns that you've had about Ben Howland for the last six years, I kind of reared it their ugly head again. It's like, hey, what are we doing? What is happening here? Now, we look so unbelievably disorganized on offense. And we still were kind of gifted a chance to, uh, to win the game late. Let's kind of break it down for you, I guess. I won't spend a lot of time on this because I know you guys are ready to go. I told you guys 
We had to watch uh, Andre Gordon and Emmanuel Miller. Andre Gordon gets 11. Emmanuel Miller gets 10 for them. Really thought he had a lot more lift and juice down the stretch. Caused us some, tr- some trouble for sure. Iverson Molinar goes for 16. DJ goes for 9. And that was really the story of the game. And that's not to kind of throw shade at DJ. I mean, you know, obviously he is a guy that they're going to force to take difficult shots because he is so gifted offensively. People are like, you know what, we're going to have to stop one of those guys. We're going to make somebody else beat us. DJ, 3 of 14 from the floor, 1 of 6 from the three-point line, and knocks in a couple free throws, four rebounds, three personal fouls, five turnovers, and just nine points. Not a good night for DJ Stewart. And, again, that's the product of the Buzz Williams scheme. They came out there and said, you know what? We know Molinar is probably going to get double digits. We've got to make everybody else do something different. We've got to shut D.J. Stewart down because he's capable of taking over a game. That's exactly what they did. D.J. and Molinar both go 37 minutes of action. The only guy that played more, Tulu Smith. Tulu Smith, Tolu Smith, excuse me. Eight points for him, uh, six rebounds. Probably in that much action, probably need a bigger contribution from him. But there were so many times in the half-court set, it looked like we were just kind of, you know, bouncing the ball around, and all of a sudden we get late in the shot clock and we got to go force up a shot. There just doesn't seem to be any semblance of offense. We have some gifted offensive players, but we're not always utilizing those guys. And I thought Buzz Williams really made us look amateurish uh, down the stretch there. Uh, we really, really struggled. You know, that, we, we shoot 50%. In the first half, 14 of 28. The second half, we go 8 of 23. 8 of 23. First half, 4 of 9 from beyond the arc, 1 of 5 in the second half. It's just, you know, it's a a completely different deal. It's like they go out there and they make the halftime adjustments. They kind of realize what we want to do in our sets. They take it away from us, make us uncomfortable, and then we look like we hadn't had practice. And people say, Steve, you know, you're kind of going over the top here. No, No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You mean you tell me we can't get but eight baskets? I mean, how many layups did we miss? I mean, listen, there's enough blame to go around. This isn't going to be a Ben Howen roasting here. You know, people say, well, you know, we we ran such good sets, we we had layups. No, we didn't. Most of those were in transition, and we just blew it. I think we missed three layups to kind of open the second half there. Next thing you know, they start creeping back in the ballgame. I didn't think we managed the game well. And there's so many people that say, well, you know, here's the deal. No, I mean, you go on a 13 nothing run and you never call a timeout. That's a problem. Because, well, it's a media timeout. Okay, I don't think that helps your argument. Okay, you don't call a timeout to slow the flow. And then you do get the benefit of a media timeout, and then you don't make the adjustments necessary to change the game around. I mean, how many times have we seen it? Listen, we've all watched SEC basketball forever and a day. How many times did you see Nolan Richardson call a timeout and immediately the team came out with more energy? How many times have you seen Kentucky call a timeout and then come out of the half court, come out of the timeout you know, with an inbounds play that gets them an easy basket? You know, it's like we just kind of go out there after a media timeout. I guess we just went and got some water. There didn't seem to be any change in what we did. It always seemed that A&M was a step ahead of us. And, again, this is not a good A&M team. I could get it if, if they were a great team. They're not. Let's run down here this critical stretch here in the second half. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things, too, you look at it. I must make you want to vomit. But, you know, we get ahead 40-27, 17-28 to go. We're up 13, and that's after the big dunk by Adu on a bit of a scramble there after a defensive rebound. He goes up and flushes it, 
It's 40 to 27. You think, okay, all right, we got it. We're good. We've settled down now. We're good to go. We weren't. Next thing you know, they, they get a, a, an easy layup to cut it to nine. And before you know it, you look up at the scoreboard and it's 40 all. 40 all. State did not score again until 11.27 to go. Let that sink in just there for a second. We go from a 13-point lead. 13. 13 13-point lead. It's 17-28. And then we don't score another basket until, what, six minutes of gameplay? It puts us up two. That stretch right there absolutely killed us. That's the difference in the ballgame. It wasn't that, you know, granted the collapse at the end is what you remember because you had a chance to win it and you don't. But that, that six-minute stretch, that's when a won the game. Because you know what? If we just go over there and match baskets with them, or even if we just go one for two, you know, we've got a chance to maintain a lead. But all of a sudden, you know, when they get to within a couple of baskets, all of a sudden they start believing, and, and it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, hey, we're going to win this game. And I thought their bench had a tremendous amount of life. You know, they're out there, you know, throwing their towels around, all that kind of stuff. And it just, you know, I thought you know, that, you know, for, for, as a program, they had a lot more juice than we did. And we're playing at home. From there, it's pretty much, you know, a nip and tuck ball game. You know, I guess we got up four with just under six minutes to go. Uh, we went, I guess we went as high as six. We had a six-point lead at 5.14 to go. Look like, okay, well, we've weathered the storm now. We'll settle in, kind of put this thing away. Well, we didn't. We absolutely didn't. Matter of fact, we didn't score but five points the rest of the game. Five points the rest of the game. The last five minutes of the game, we put five points up. And one of those comes on a free throw. And that's the thing that I want to get to here late is we look at this thing and, uh, you know, we're down four with a minute 52 to go. And it seemed like we were in a world of trouble. And we were. And it's not so much what A&M did down the stretch to what we didn't do, right? So we miss a shot. And then there is a layout by Jalen Johnson in the paint to make it, you know, 56-54. And then they have the, uh, you know, the craziness down there where the, um, you know, they call the flagrant foul on Jonathan Aku, you know, when he wrestled Jalen Johnson to the ground. So we're going to get two shots in the ball. We send our best free throw shooter to the line. He makes one of two. And we all thought, oh, well, okay, at least we'll still have a shot here. We didn't even get a shot up. So we missed the free throw. We inbounds it. Got a chance to go. And we, we don't even get a shot up. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible to think about how it all worked. And we set up that last play. Yeah, it's just, and that's the thing that I think about. We actually had, we did have a shot at the goal and we missed it. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it boggles the mind to think that we can practice all these weeks and all these months and spend all this money on recruiting. And we spend all this time evaluating talent. And we go through all these workouts. And then, you know, the most fundamental role of basketball is forgotten. And narrow losses to Kentucky and to A&M. You don't get style points. You have to actually put the ball in the basket. And that's what's so frustrating. And listen, I don't want to sound all Debbie Downer today. 
But it's one of those things I look at and say, you know what, we had we were hoping to be 500 in league play, and then all of a sudden we get our hopes up. And this is the same thing that's happened. It's kind of been, you know, really kind of a characteristic of the Ben Howen, you know, tenure here at Mississippi State that we're in year six, mind you, is that every time they pull you in, they break your heart every single time. Every time you think, okay, we're good, we can beat these Miller Road teams, we can beat these bad teams, and then we don't. You know, you go on the road and you beat Georgia, then you come home and lose to Kentucky. You know, it, just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, apparently, we're a better road team. But it's very, very frustrating. I know you all share in that frustration. So the hope is, you know, we can bounce back. That's one good thing about basketball. You, you generally play twice a week. And so you have a chance to kind of flush it. You know, I, I've had people reaching out, trying to get tickets for uh, this weekend's game. So, you know, perhaps some of the enthusiasm is still there. I know – the social media fans, uh, not really engaged, but um, you know that, that's kind of been the case for a long time. But look at the men's basketball schedule. We will be uh, hosting Florida at 3 p.m. tomorrow. That'll be on ESPN2. Uh, I'm worried about the game. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm very worried about the game. And, and, again, you know, I never know what to expect from this team. You know, from one, one game to the next – I don't know who's going to show up. You know, the one thing that I will say is that you know, we rebounded fairly quickly after that bad loss to Kentucky. So my hope is we'll do the same thing this, this go-around. Uh, Michael White's team this year from Gainesville, 6-3 and three on the year. Uh, in league play, it's been a little bit different. They had a bunch of games postponed, postponed this year. Uh, they drill Vandy in Nashville, 91-72. They take down LSU, 83-79. They lose by 15 to Alabama, and, and Nate Oates' team looks outstanding. 86-71 there, and then they get shelled by Kentucky in the O'Connell Center, 76-58. They bounce back despite being short a couple players against Ole Miss and win 72-63. So, you know, they've had some, uh, you know, some up and down with their season as well, and so I just don't really know what to tell you. I know that when Florida's coming here in recent years, we've played them pretty well, and hopefully that'll be the case for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Uh, this week when we have a chance to play them. 
We'll look at the women's side of things. Uh, you know, a painful loss last night. I told you guys on Wednesday's show this Alabama team was better, better than they have been. And, and listen, they proved to be. But despite their improvements as a program, we should have won the ball game. And that's the thing, I guess, that is so perplexing to Mississippi State fans. You look at this and say, yeah, the league's getting better. The league is getting better, and we appear to be getting worse. I'm not saying we're a bad team, but we're not playing up to our potential. You look at this and you say, okay, we're up, what, 11 at the break? And then score 34 points the second half? Give up, what, 53 points? 53 points at home in the second half. Really, 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 really frustrating. You know, looking at um, you know, looking at our scoring here, you know, 34 points in the paint. Probably got to be a little bit more than that, but uh, it's pretty good. 23 fast break points. Okay, we're pretty happy with that. 31 off the bench. You look at those numbers and say, okay, all right, we should be in good shape there. Scored some off points, off turnovers. But then when you begin to look at this thing and break this thing down here, I mean, let's just look at our shooting summary, okay? First quarter, we're 9 of 13, not great. Took us a little while to get going. Second quarter, 9 of 21. Third quarter, 7 of 15. Fourth quarter, 6 of 17. Six shots made in the fourth quarter. Is that fatigue? Is it conditioning? I don't know. Is it defense? Are we forcing an issue? I don't know. Nine of 23 from the line, from beyond three-point line, just one of four in the third and fourth quarter. But, you know, we're not getting to the line, just 10 free throws. You know, and that was the thing we had talked about earlier in the year is, you know, hey, we want to pound it down low. We want to get the end one. You know, we want to get them in some foul trouble. Uh, we're not making plays at the rim. And we're not defending the three-point shot. Now, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people will tell you, you know, the, the coach in the basketball circles is, listen, we want to you know, guard against a high-percentage shot. We want to make people shoot from outside. That's why a lot of people play 2-3 zone. They want to make you shoot over top of them. And, and most teams can't consistently hit from outside. thought Alabama did a pretty good job, though. Alabama did a pretty good job uh, from outside. Let's look at their numbers here. You know, again, it's, it's interesting, too. You know, 21 second chance points for Alabama. 21 second chance points. Rebounding is about effort. Rebounding is about toughness. Alabama 11 of 30 from the three-point line. Five of nine there in the first quarter. They hit a little lull there in the second quarter. But, uh, you know, five of nine kind of jumped on us early there. Uh, came out played to will playing to win, but uh, when you look at that, that's one of the things that jumps out is 21 second chance points. Those are the things that we're not used to seeing. And you know, and listen, I get it. I have so many people that message and say, you know, Steve, you know, they need to understand this and they understand that. Listen, you know, you know, Nikki McCray Pinson gets it. You know, she didn't she didn't need me to DM her and say, hey, you know, coach, the fans are kind of unhappy. Not real happy with our level of play here. You know, she gets it. I mean, you know, she's played in this conference. She's coached in this conference. She gets it. She's an Olympic gold medalist. She understands what it takes to win at the highest levels of women's basketball. She didn't forget any of that. At the same time, I read some people that are out there saying, well, you know, Vic was 13 and 17 his first year. Guys, that, that argument just won't fly. That dog simply won't hunt. Because this roster – is nowhere close to what Vic inherited. Yeah, Vic went 13 and 17 the first year. Guys, we got three McDonald's All-Americans. You remember when we played UConn? Remember, that was the big story, right? 
is that UConn had, what, four or five McDonald's All-Americans in the starting five, and we had never had a McDonald's All-American. Not even Victoria Vivians was a McDonald's All-American. She was a nominee, but she wasn't picked as a McDonald's All-American. We got three of them. It's the most talented women's basketball roster on paper of all time for Mississippi State. So that whole thing is, well, you know, Vic, uh, first year, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Now, is it fair to say, well, let's, uh, let, let's hold Nikki up to the Vic standard, uh, you know, a couple years ago? You know, that's not fair, you know, because you had Victoria and you had Blair and you had Morgan, uh, you had Tierra, those guys kind of grew up together. And so they had multiple years within the system. They understood the expectations. They understood spacing. They understood where to go. And they understood each other. And so, yeah, you've got a new system. You've got a new coach. And so I think you need to be fair to Nikki. At the same time, too, I get it. It's like, you know what, Coach? Uh, you know, listen, we don't like winning by seven or eight points, but uh, we hate losing by seven or eight points. Yeah, we, we, we kind of got used to blowing people out 30 and 40 points, even in the SEC. You know, we got to a point where really the only teams we worried about were Tennessee and, and UConn and Missouri to a lesser extent. And so, you know, we're not ready to go back to the middle of the pack. We're not ready to lose to Alabama. It's like, okay, we lose to Kentucky. And you can say, well, you know, Kentucky's a top-10 team. You know, they're expected to make the tournament. They were picked second in the league. Okay, maybe we're not there yet. But then all of a sudden when you have Alabama coming here and it really felt like in that second half they took the fight to us. And that's one of the things that you look at and you say, you know, we got X's and O's, and this is really on the men's side and the women's side. One of the things that I get tired of reading about, and I get, maybe it's because of the fact that I've coached before, I get tired of reading about, well, you know, it's about effort. Okay, that's coaching. That's coaching. People say, well, you know, you shouldn't have to coach effort. You know, you shouldn't. But you know what? If you're not getting the effort, then as a coach, you've got to change it. You know, listen, I respect the fact that Rakia Jackson didn't start last night. Maybe Nikki McCray-Penson's trying to light a fire under her. I hope it works. She's one of our most talented players. She has some of the high, the probably the highest ceiling we've had since Victoria Vivians as a player. But we're not getting you know, the offensive production from her, we probably should. So I respect the fact that, you know, she put on a bench to start the game. Javian Davis uh, has been out for three games for the men. Ben Howen said that he'll return to action, but not sure if he's going to play against Florida. Said he was, uh, you know, out for some uh, disciplinary issues. You know, those are the things you look at. And so I, I can respect that. I mean, if you're not getting what you need from a player on or off the court, you get, you got to take action. But, I, I be, I, you know, I would play walk-ons before I sat there and watched people not get up there and defend. You know, I'd pull kids out of the student section if I had people that wasn't at least willing to go battle for a rebound. There were times last night when we'd have three people under the glass and Alabama would have one, they would pull the rebound down. And so, you know, I'm a singleness of purpose guy. That, that's me. And, and, and I, I, know, I understand life gets complicated on that sort of stuff. But you know what? You know, and here's the thing. This is basketball season. So you got to go to school, and you got to come to basketball practice, and you got to go play games. And so we're not just here to pay for your education out of the goodness of our hearts. you got to get out there and play hard. And if i got to lose a couple ball games 
by putting some people on the bench to get some act right, and that's what I probably got to do. That's what good coaches do. Sometimes you got to put somebody on a bench. Sometimes you got to cut somebody. Yeah, but you know, it's we had a great weekend. We won a couple ball games. We get to midweek. We got a chance to take the next step for both teams, and then we don't. And then this this upcoming slate for the women, uh, not necessarily conducive to turning your season around. I think you all know. I mean, we, we've been there. We went into a big rivalry game against Ole Miss, and listen, that was a tussle too. Let's be fair. But you know, we got to go play at A and M on Sunday. That's not going to be a picnic. And then we get South Carolina coming to the hump on Thursday. Right now, are there any Mississippi State fans out there right now that expect us to win either of those games? I'd say probably not. So this is kind of a watershed moment in the season for us. You know, you know, Nikki's got to get these ladies going. You know, maybe we got caught looking ahead. You know, and maybe, maybe we're just not as good as we should be. Maybe we're not as good as we think we are. And I don't think that's an excuse to let anybody off the hook. I mean, when you got, you know, you've got this highly recruited roster, you've got, you know, you're full of blue chips, and that's the thing. Well, you know, Vic did this and Vic did that. You know, Vic did not leave the cupboard bare. And Nikki McRae inherited a team probably this year you look at and say, you know what, this team's probably capable of getting, getting to the Sweet 16. I think that's fair. You know, I think we all felt like, you know what, we had a chance with if the schedule falls the right way, we have a, a chance to uh, contend, you know, for an SEC championship. And we, we're probably a little bit of a dog, dark horse, but we all felt like, you know what, if Madison Hayes comes in and does a great job for us, Jessica Carter takes a jump for us, we've got a chance, you know, because we didn't expect to lose for maybe, you know, three or four ball games in the SEC. And here we are, season just getting started. And uh, we've already lost some games we shouldn't have. Now, to be fair, because you know, a lot of us, what we remember is, uh, you know, we remember Blair Schaefer hitting the three against South Carolina to beat Asia Wilson and those guys, and what a great moment that was. Arguably the best regular season win in women's basketball history for Mississippi State. And it was big for emotional reasons, too, because South Carolina and Dawn Staley had kind of become our rivals. And let's, I'm a Dawn Staley fan. I know a lot of people, oh, I can't stand her. Yeah, I, I can't stand her when we're playing her because she's such a dogged competitor. I have a tremendous amount of respect for her. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, man. I mean, she is so great of a coach. But we're not at that level right now. We're not. And if we're going to be fair about it, you know, and this is the thing we, we, we kind of remember. We all remember Morgan getting fouled against Notre Dame in a game that we should have won, right? We were the national runner-up in 17 and 18. All right, so in 19, we make the Elite Eight. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but, um, you know, Vic was still the coach then. And we got beat. That's the Andrea Howard year, right? You know, and last year we came out and we felt pretty good about things and then they canceled the tournament. But – you know, we have reached the point where we are one of the elite teams in the country. You know, we're not the Mississippi State of the 1980s, women's basketball. That's one of the reasons on the recruiting trail that we've been able to do so well. It's because I say, you know what, I can go down here, I can go to this great ag school down in the SEC and play major college basketball and get incredible fan support, and I can get to the WNBA. I got a chance to play for an NFL championship down there. And that's why they came. And so – you know, I think it's important to understand expectations. And I think the frustration on the women's side for our fans, it's much greater 
because of the success that we've had in the past 10 years. You look at that and say, you know what, we're used to winning. You know, we're used to competing for conference championships. We're used to competing, you know, to hosting NCAA tournament stuff. We are used to basically being advanced to the Sweet 16 after the first weekend because that's what we do here. And I think now people are thinking, you know what, those days are over. And so we've got to reverse the script. And uh, that's one of the things, again, we've talked about on the show before. Coaching wins and loses close ball games. Coaching does. People say, well, you know, it's you know, execution. That's, uh, you're right, it is. But coaching, managing a game, coaching a game, and not just watching a game is what wins games. I mean, why do you think Coach K is so great? It's because he is a guy that it's not just about recruiting. This is a guy that understands what it takes to manage games late. This is a guy that can draw up plays. This is a guy that can get the most out of his guys. And so at times he kind of wills them to a win. That's one thing Vic used to always say is, you know what, if they can get it to four minutes, I can get them home. Because that's what great coaching does. Because you always you have all these late timeouts and you've got to draw up inbounds plays and you've got to talk about who's going to be on the floor and uh, who gets fouled and that sort of stuff. And you, what do you do defensively? You know, you have a lot more of that instruction late in ball games, And that's where elite coaches become elite. And I would venture to say right now we're not elite on the men or the women's side when it comes to coaching down the stretch. And that's what's so about the men's side you just kind of scratch your head about and say, you know, I don't, I don't understand how we could have two games where we have a final possession to win the game and we don't even get off a shot. Enough about that. Let's get in top ten list today. So we're going uh, we're going rap today. I told you guys we're going to be a little more, uh, you know, well-versed, I guess we say on the show. Not it's going to rock all the time. One of my favorite 80s, 90s rappers, one of the godfathers of the genre, really, is LL Cool J, which stands for Ladies Love Cool James. Hey, I can get down with it, L. So, top 10 LL Cool J songs. You know, he's become an actor. You know, been an actor for a while now. Done some good things. He was in uh, uh, Any Given Sunday. I think that was the first major role he had. All right, so uh, here we go. Top 10 list, number 10. Doing it, doing it, and doing it well. That's number 10. Number nine, the booming system. I think this is kind of an underappreciated Cool J song, even though he does kind of advocate for drinking and driving in the song. But uh, the booming system came out, you know, when things were kind of transitioning in music, but I don't know that uh, that song got enough due. Number eight, a huge song for him, and uh, the list wouldn't be complete without including it. It's not one of my favorites, but it's I Need Love. Now, a lot of people really got into this. And said, oh, it's the, real, it's the sensitive side of LL Cool J, you know. Uh, number seven, Rock the Bells. That one still jams. If you haven't, if you haven't put that one on in a while, put it on, turn the radio up, you'll, you'll appreciate it. You might feel the need to go upgrade your sound system afterwards. Number six, the one that started it all. I remember watching him perform this on American Bandstand, and uh, I was blown away, absolutely blown away. But it's I can't live without my radio. And then that's me. I, mean, I always have music on 24 hours a day when I'm by myself. And when I'm in the car, you know, it always irritates me. It's like we're riding along, and I, and I just want to listen, and people want to talk. And so it's like they turn the radio down, and then when they're done talking, they don't turn the radio back up. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. When we're done talking, turn the radio back up. 
or I'll do it. Number five, off the Walking Like a Panther album. Absolutely bombshell here. I'm that type of guy. Incredible song. Uh, it's kind of got the uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, vibe to it, too, in the background. Great bass line. Um, you know, at some point, I guess many of us have been that type of guy. And then other people are, uh, I guess, the, um, the protagonist in this song. Number four, one of my favorites of, from the catalog. It's I'm Bad. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things, too. We go back and we think about all the police stuff and all. You know, it's like you can hear, like, police radio and stuff. And, like, at the end of the song, the guy's saying, you know, I think I'm going to need backup. But uh, it's a very well-produced song. It's well done. I thought LL was great. Uh, forget Oreos. Eat Cool J cookies. He's bad. Number three, and there have been times in my life, this has been the number one Cool J song in my life. I just listened to this yesterday and kind of in preparation for this list. And it's off the... Um, it's off the uh, Less Than Zero soundtrack. If you get, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. If you've never seen it, Less Than Zero, you know, with uh, Andrew McCarthy and uh, Robert Downey Jr. and the lovely, talented Jamie Gertz. Oh, my gosh. Still have such a crush on her. Um, but it's going back to Cali. And this was one of those songs that was so incredibly cool. When it was out, you heard it everywhere. I mean, absolutely everywhere. Bikini, small, heels, tall. She said she liked the ocean. Love it. Number two, and this was one, too, that when it came out, I think this was this was on radio everywhere, but it's Around the Way Girl. And uh, I think everybody dug this, dug this song. I mean, it was a big crossover hit. It wasn't just on, you know, the uh, you know the urban or R&B charts. It was a top 40 smash, and it was on MTV like every like once an hour. But the number one LL Cool J song of all time, I don't think there's any question. I think everybody, I think most everybody would agree with me. It's why I said knock you out. And it's it's a classic song. It still gets played today. And uh, I love the way the song builds. And, of course, you know, Mama is his grandmother. He, he, he talked about that at length and said that he was having some trouble in his career at the time. And, and said so his grandmother just told him to just knock him out. And so that, and then the song is born. And it's crazy. Like, I'm a firm believer in this, you know, being from a creative uh, – you know, mind is that all of this is just kind of out there in the ethos already, you know, and then all of a sudden something will happen or somebody will say something and it kind of opens up that window of creativity. And uh, so I dig it. I think you guys will like the list. Uh, Roy should already have it together, but uh, LL Cool J, I think, and this is one of those bands, this is one of those artists too, that uh, he kind of transcends the genre, you know, cause he's so involved with so many things. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid coming up, it was like, um, you know, it wasn't like it is today, I guess, in many respects. You know, you, you listen to rock and you listen to rap because those were kind of the songs of rebellion. You know, we were kind of, uh, you know, we, we all grew up under the, the threat of the Cold War and that sort of stuff. And, and there's all these people. It was just such an effort to try to get you to act right. And so the songs of rebellion were, were rap and rock. And uh, and so they kind of went hand in hand. And I think Yellow Cool J is a guy that appealed to people on both sides of that. You may not be looking for records, but you may be looking for Mississippi State merchandise. You can find that at Campus Bookmark. Let me encourage you to go by and see Stand the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, the talented Susie, and everybody up there. They'll be so glad to see you and so happy to serve you. They've got everything you need there, everything you need to kind of outfit your home, your office, your RV, you know, your kids, your pet, whatever. Anything you need with Mississippi State on it, they can get it for you if they don't already have it. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at 
campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you get a phrase that pays, which stands for, which is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And you not both know it. You're going to spend it anyway. You're going to spend that 50 bucks, right? I mean, you, you, you can't just do one online order and feel good. And when you get there, you're probably going to fill your card anyway. So let us save you a little cash. Again, that's BSR at campusbookmart.net. Let's talk Zach Arnett a little bit. As we discussed on Wednesday's show, the courtship between LSU and uh, Zach Arnett is over. And, of course, they, uh, they're declaring themselves the winner, saying, oh, well, you know, we, you know, we, didn't, we didn't like him or whatever, you know, didn't like his cologne or whatever. We're, we're Powerade people. He's a Gatorade guy. I mean, you know, it's always the type of things. But the bottom line is he's still here. Now, I understand he did have a conversation with Texas over Zoom, but it does appear that uh, he is a guy that's probably down the board a little bit, you know. We'll all feel a whole lot better once all the dominoes have fallen and then this is over with, right? I mean, because let's be honest. I mean, you know, it's going to take a blue blood type program to get him to leave here. And that's one of the things that we're hearing from talking to some of our media peers is that Zach has a lot of demands because he's happy here. You know, he's not desperate for a job. And I've been told by some people close to Zach that he has said, you know, routinely, it is going to take something really special for me to leave here. Uh, to go be a DC somewhere else, and so yeah, I mean, and, and when they're the ones doing the asking, you can be kind of demanding. Say, yeah, I'm very interested in the job, but here's the deal: I want to be able to bring, you know, my corners coach, or I want to be able to do that, and I'm not necessarily bringing a guy from Mississippi State, but they want some say in buying some of the groceries, and they want control. And and here's the thing too: when you look at Zach Arnett's situation here at Mike Leach, do you think Mike Leach is in there coaching defense? I'm sure he could. He's done it before, but he's not. You know, Mike Leach wants to coach the offense, and he wants to have a coordinator that is aggressive attacking but also has autonomy. He wants his guy to coach his guys. One thing you hear routinely from Mike Leach's assistant coaches is Mike doesn't tell them how to coach. Mike lets them handle their guys. He has an expectation, this is what I need you to do, and then he lets them do it. He empowers them to go do it. He's not a micromanager, and we've had some of that in the last decade or so. You know, Joe Joe was a guy that was very much a micromanager. Dan, especially early in his tenure, very much a micromanager. But one of the reasons that so many of Mike's coaches are still with him, he's got a lot of former players on his staff too, it's because they understand the expectation. And because they understand what the head man wants, they understand what's acceptable and what's not. And so they go, they go coach to that standard. And so when Zach Arnett has been here for a year and he's been able to kind of coach his guys, do you think Ed Orgeron has given his D.C. autonomy? I'm going to say probably not. Ed Orgeron's never been a defensive coordinator at any point in his career. But he is very much a defensive-minded guy. He is a defensive line guy. And if you don't think that that guy's, you know, got a spoon in the pot, you're kidding yourself. And so that's a factor in all this stuff, too. That's not to say at some point Zach Arnett's going to leave. I mean, you know, Texas may call up tonight and say, listen, we're willing to write the check because uh, the buyout for a non-conference school is a little bit less, obviously, than an SEC school. And maybe Texas like, you know what, we'll write the check. And you know what, Zach, you can have the autonomy and he may leave. I don't expect that to happen, but at some point, Zach Arnett's going to leave, either be for a head coaching job or to be a D.C. at a Blue Blood program. 
and it'll be weird, right? It will be. We've already grown accustomed to Zach. We, we, we feel like that we, you know, we were kind of on the, the cutting edge of this thing. Mike Leach hires this guy, you know, he's kind of uh, considered a disciple of Rocky Long, and he comes in here and becomes a superstar right away. But he's our guy. You know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, when he, he we've kind of gotten to know each other. You know, we were all worried about the defense, and he proved to be a superhero. You know, we worried about depth. We worried about how we generate a pass rush. We worried about, you know, being competitive in games because we didn't think we were going to be able to stop anybody. And then it turns out the defense was the strength of our team this year. And so we're all thinking, you know what, I would rather defense be ahead of offense because we know Mike Leach is going to get the offense going. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just right as rain. I mean, you, you, just as the sun always sets and the moon always falls, Mike Leach is going to get the offense going. Go look at the first years he had at other schools. I mean, it takes a little while to get going. He had a lot of adversity this year. And nobody expected, uh, you know, K.J. to struggle the way that he did. Didn't expect K.J. to get hurt. But, uh, you know, we went through a true freshman. And, you know, we really started playing for next year, this year. And so when you think, okay, we know we're going to get that part handled, but we don't want to have to start over on defense. And that's where a lot of that concern comes from, right? It's a big part of it. I also encourage you to don't believe everything you read on Twitter. A lot of people out there that think they know don't know. People are saying, oh, well, you know, Zach's still in the mix for the Oregon job. I was told by somebody with knowledge of that search two days ago that Zach and Oregon were no longer in discussions. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I think we're basically boiled down to Texas. And, you know, listen, everybody's kind of wondering how the dominoes are going to fall. You know, what if Texas pulls Pete Golding, you know, or pulls Lanning from Georgia? That opens another spot. And, you know, so it's like it's a never-ending deal. But at some point, it's all going to settle. And when the dust settles, if I had to call it today, I think Zach Arnett's still here. But that's just no guarantee. I mean, I mean some of the people that are fishing in our pond – you know, our people with some pretty big bait, you know, so it's not as simple as, oh, you know, hey, here's the deal. You know, I, I, I can be happy anywhere, I think. You know, I'm the kind of person, you listen, long as long as we got room to stretch out and, you know, with the air condition works and we can put, uh, you know, put food in the refrigerator and we you know, get a big TV going, I can, I can pretty much handle the rest of it. You know, I can figure it out, kind of reclusive anyway. And we got to kind of isolate a lot. So I can be happy almost anywhere, you know, and listen – if you're willing to double my salary or get me close to that, I can really be happy there. And so as much as Zach Arnett and his family like it here, I'm sure they like it somewhere else for a lot, lot, lot more money. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of life. Another thing that I wanted to address, too, is these uh, roster numbers. So some of our, our fans, and listen, it's not, it's not your fault, okay, because it's been beating our heads, you know, throughout the late part of the season – Oh, Mississippi State only has 49 scholarship players or 45 scholarship players. Then all of a sudden you see all these guys going in transfer portal and you think, oh, my gosh, are we going to have to have guys play both ways next year? No. no. Okay, relax a little bit. I say, I've run the numbers on this, and every time somebody leaves, it comes up on the message board, and people, somebody inevitably always asks, well, how many scholarship guys do we have? So as of today, we're expected, we're projected to have 78 scholarship guys next year. That's counting 26 signees this year, right? So you can do the math on that. Currently at 52 scholarship players right now. But help is on the way, right? That's why we have signing day. 
You're probably going to see London Craft, a guy that's got a couple years in our program, go on scholarship. So, you know, he's already a starter. It's not going to make him any more talented. I mean, he played pretty well for us this year. And so that takes you around 79. We're, listen, we're going to be around 80, 81 scholarship guys when it's all said and done, more than likely. And there will probably be some other guys leave after the spring. So even if we end up, you know, with 75 guys, you know how many we normally play in a football game? About 50. I mean, how many times do you see those guys on the sidelines, you know, in the sweatsuits and everything, the juice boys, right? Well, those guys are on scholarship too. They're not dressed out. They're not playing. So you don't go play with 85 scholarship guys. And, and I don't know if you guys know this, but, uh, you know, you have a 120-man roster, you know, for fall camp, right? And so you got some other guys out there. And so as of today, projected to have 78 scholarship players, and I think you could probably say 79 because – you know, London Craft's a guy that I fully expect to go on scholarship. But we're capped at 83. So, you know, let's say we're within 10 of the mark. We're going to be fine. You know, a, a lot of times I read this stuff on Facebook, and it's like, I, I get it. It's like Chinese water torture. It's like, oh, well, this guy's leaving. Who is he? Oh, well, that's the thing you got to think about, too, is if you don't know who he is, why are you so worried about it? Oh, I've never heard that name before. Well, it's a good reason for that. It's not like we're having guys off the two deep pick up and leave. You know, a lot of these guys are just simply not playing. Because I approve it. I got in Oxabee County. He's a local guy. Joe offered him. Took us forever to get the kid committed. He was banged up a lot of his career. And listen, it just didn't work out. It's not anybody's fault. It's not that he's mad. But the kid wants to play. And he's not going to play here. We're already recruiting over him at wide receiver. And that's not to be critical of him. He's the guy that really kind of got behind the curve a little bit because of the fact that he was injured. He's a great kid. Hope he goes to Jackson State or somewhere and has a great career. But, you know, when you when we lose some of these guys, you know, people will think, oh, my goodness, the sky's falling. Something's got to be wrong. Why does something have to be wrong? Well, there's been so many of them. Well, yeah, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but we entered a year with, what, 16, 17 scholarship seniors, and we had 26 spots in our recruiting class. So you can do the math on that. Let's say you got 16 guys graduating. Well, you got to have 10 more leave to make room for the incoming freshmen. Well, who are the 10 that are going to leave? It's going to be guys that aren't playing. And, you know, that, not to mention we had some disciplinary issues we had to address earlier this year. And some of those guys didn't leave of their own volition. And so I say all that to say this. Just because somebody else writes an article and makes it seem like that, oh, my goodness, the sky is falling, doesn't mean that it is. Anytime that you have a new coach, there's going to be some level of attrition. You know, there wasn't a whole lot with Joe. And I think a lot of that, too, and this is not to be critical of Joe, but Joe inherited a really good culture from Dan Mullen. You know, Dan didn't go out and sign a lot of bad actors. He just didn't do it. A lot of it because, you know, Dan was so obsessed with winning, he wasn't going to hire or hire people or recruit people that were going to be distractions. You know, in two years, Joe got a little bit lax. We've talked about that. So there's been a bit of a culture shift, right? Well, now all of a sudden you got Mike Leach probably being even more strict than Dan Mullen was. And so some of these guys are figuring out, you know what, this isn't for me. But more to the point, most of these guys are figuring out, you know what, I'm not going to be able to play here. You know, Mississippi State just went out and signed arguably the best wide receiver class in the modern era. 
And so if I'm already not playing at wide receiver, I mean, let, let's not forget the fact we played the last four or five games, you know, with, with Brody Walker out there as a walk-on. If you can't get on the field now over a walk-on, when we only have a handful of receivers in a pass-first offense, what are you going to do when another half dozen of those guys get here in June? What are you going to do? You're not going to play. So if you're not playing now, so you can see the writing on the wall. And I think it's important that everybody see this. That this is There doesn't always have to be something wrong when a guy leaves. It doesn't mean that he broke the rules. Sometimes it, it does. But most of these guys are good citizens and good students. They're not getting run off. They're just kind of recognizing their place in the program and their place in the world and saying, you know what, i got, I got to go find somewhere else to play. And I commend them, and I wish them all the best because you only get a short lot time in life to play sports. But it doesn't help matters when we all go run to the Facebook groups and run to Twitter. Oh, my gosh, somebody's got to get involved in all this. Somebody's got to get fired. Oh, my gosh, somebody calling the National Guard. doesn't help anything. And I get it. There's so many people that have a lot of passion but don't have a lot of facts. And so that's what I'm trying to do today is to kind of explain to you what's really going on I'm not out here saying, oh, all is calm, all is well. I mean, listen, I'd love to have 85 scholarship guys next year, but we're docked a couple of grants due to Tudor Gate, but also, too, you know, we're going to be back up to 85 in 2022. A lot of people are saying, oh, we'll never get back up there. Well, yes, we will, okay? And not to mention this year that we're going to be around, you know, 75, 80. Those handful of seniors that are coming back, they don't count in that number. How about that? So we're still going to have access to those guys, too. We're going to be able to field a very quality football team next year with plenty of depth. Plenty of depth. And the difference is most of those guys are going to have the opportunity to play. And listen, that's not to say there's not going to be some more guys hit the portal. You know, drop bad date for this week. It's this, it's this week for the semester. So you'll probably have some guys ride out the spring, go out there and compete and see if they can't get up the depth chart a little bit and find a role on the team. If they don't, they may leave then, too. That doesn't mean that anything is wrong. That doesn't mean that Mike Leach is up there running kids off and being an absolute tyrant. That's not the case. This is what happens. And again, it's not necessarily somebody's fault. It's just the reality of life when you begin to realize, you know what? I have better opportunity somewhere else. And best of luck to them. If you're looking to move to Starkville, and uh, you probably should, but not too many of you guys. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to go wait for a table at a restaurant, but uh, we do want you around. But listen, if you are considering moving up here, you should. Or if you're, maybe you're looking to relocate within Starkville. You want to be in the new cool neighborhood, you know what I mean, the new one with all the new amenities and the new construction and, you know, all the new families. Portico, that's the way to go. Portico, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't, pardon me. It's uh, located just off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership. You're familiar with that, I'm sure. It's 1.1 miles from campus. You might even walk out there or maybe go on your runs and run to campus and run the loop and run back home. It's that how close it is. Easy access to both Highway 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in development with 18 houses in the first phase that are approaching completion. 33 houses in the second phase that will begin here in a few months. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. And from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico is also going to include uh, a walking trail and a pavilion out there. You guys uh, have talked about that before. I think you, you know what's going on with all that. 
If you're looking for more information, call our friend Brooks Bryan. He's one of the developers, and he can be reached at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Be sure to ask him about some great diamond dog tales from when he was here there in the late 90s. Part of some great teams. Brooks Bryan, great guy, man. Love Brooks. Great friend. All right, so uh, let's get into some recruiting stuff before we get out the door here. Uh, So a lot of people said, hey, Steve, what's going to happen with Ty Cooper? Listen, I feel better about Ty Cooper than I have at any point in the process. At any point. Uh, Ole Miss, for the most part, has moved on. You know, Deke Adams not there. They're not really in contact. And it's Ben State or Ole Miss. And then, you know, Tennessee tried to get involved. And you know what a mess it is in Tennessee. So it's like if you're going to – what if you go up there and then everybody gets fired? Then you're stuck. You know, and you don't know the new staff. And what if they run a scheme that's not necessarily, uh, you know, that highlights your abilities. And so that, that's an issue. And then, uh, yeah, of course, Memphis has been involved a little bit. But why would you pick Memphis over a chance to play in the SEC? It rarely ever happens. So, do I feel better about Ty than I ever have. I've had a lot of conversations about Ty this week, and I believe Ty's mind is made up. As a matter of fact, I believe that Ty knows exactly what he's going to do. He's just going to wait here a couple more weeks and announce his decision on National Signing Day. I understand there's going to be like a local TV thing there. So it's kind of like the Deontay Anderson thing where we all kind of know what's going to happen, but there's going to be a broadcast to kind of share the good news with everybody. So that brings you down to three spots. You guys probably saw C.J. Johnson from French Camp Academy decommitted from Navy last night. That's a big step. We all knew that was going to happen, but a very, very, very well-written and educated young man you know, crafted an incredible decommitment letter. I don't know how anybody could be uh, disappointed with that. Uh, that doesn't mean it's a slam dunk for State. I still think that State's in a good position. I believe State leads, but he recently went to Northwestern. Uh, his mom is a doctor. His dad's educated. They both went to Mississippi State. Uh, and so you would say, well, you know, we need our Mississippi State kids to stay home. You know, this is a kid that made a 35 on the ACT. And so he could be president someday. And I mean, you think I'm kidding. I'm not. I mean, he is an incredible young man. So uh, I, I like the direction of his life. I would love for it to run through Starkville. But uh, Northwestern, Penn State, and others that are very involved, it's not a slam dunk. It's not. I feel good about it, but I don't feel great about it. So we'll see how things kind of progress uh, here in the weeks to come. Eddie Smith, we guys, we talked about him on this show before, you know, before he went and signed with Alabama. He was Devontae Smith's cousin, right? You guys know Devontae Smith, right? Heisman Trophy winner, went to Alabama. Well, Eddie, of course, from Slidell, went to Salmon High School. State was in a good position to get him, but ultimately couldn't overcome the family connection and the lure of the tide. Well, now that Devontae's moving on, Eddie is looking for more playing time himself. Uh, so he is in the portal. Now, there's a real opportunity for State here. I understand State's been in contact with him. Mutual interest. And so we'll see how things progress. Could play corner. Could play free safety. You know, we're looking for some guys. And, and he is the guy that's got three years to play. But uh, we'll probably have to sit out this year. Uh, which could, He's already used a redshirt year, too, which could cut a year of his eligibility. So if he's willing to sit for a year, he's got a chance to come here and play a couple years down the road. Probably a best-case scenario for us. Uh, C.J. Johnson, we've talked about him. Ty Cooper, we've talked about him. And uh, another name that you might be somewhat familiar with is Rashad Williams. Hearing privately that Rashad may go in the portal. He's at, at UCLA, originally from Memphis. And, uh, excuse me, he's from Tennessee. I can't remember exactly his high school. But um, he's at UCLA, and uh, I'm told that he is leaning towards going in the portal and, and, and coming home. And so that's something to kind of continue to monitor and watch, and we'll see how things progress. You know, a lot of times when these guys go in the portal, they already know 
kind of what they want to do. Uh, but now that uh, the drop ad dates at most schools are kind of coming up on us, a lot of these guys are going to stay in their school, their respective school, and then uh, sign with somebody in February and then transfer after they complete their spring coursework. And so that's something to kind of monitor. Uh, we've got a handful of guys already on campus, as you guys know. Uh, Makai Polk uh, made it announced, officially announced today that he's in town and in class. Carson Williams in town, still waiting for him to be announced. I'm saying it's just a matter of a transcript of you for him, and, and this happens every year. There always seems to be one guy that's kind of a little bit delayed. Has until the 19th, I guess, uh, for the drop ad. For the drop, his, the drop date was today, the last day to add a class, according to the registrar's office, the 19th. There's always a little wiggle room with that, but I, I, I expect that to be resolved here uh, fairly quickly. And so I think once Carson Williams is announced, that's all of your spring enrollment guys from the 2021 class. I think anybody else in the portal is probably going to be a guy that enrolls in June after the May semester ends. So that's how things sit today. So we got four spots left to fill. We expect Ty Cooper to be one of them. We hope C.J. Johnson is one of them. Eddie Smith in contention for another. And then listen, I think you're going to be a best available on defense for that fourth spot, whether it be a DB, whether it be a defensive end. We'd love to get a rush in if we could find a great one. And so there are going to be some other names pop up. Don't be surprised here in the weeks to come that, uh, you know, that, that there's a name that pops up in a transfer portal that maybe you weren't expecting because it works both ways, right? You know, we have some guys leave and we have some guys come in. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the self-loathing Mississippi State fan never talks about those guys. Kind of like we talk about, well, we never have anybody flip to Mississippi State. They forget that Deshaun Page flipped from Texas Tech to Mississippi State, right? Right? Brendan Tolls flipped from Louisiana Tech to Mississippi State. Ultimately, we end up dropping him. He signed with another miss. Uh, you know, Big Albert Reese flips from Rutgers to Mississippi State. I mean, so, you know, we flip guys, too, and we have guys transfer into us, too, you know, of course, again, when you skew more to the negative side of things, you, you don't forget you, you forget to, to uh, mention that part of the conversation, that there is, a, there is an, uh, an inbox as well as an outbox when it comes to bad news. All right, that's going to do it for today. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Looking forward to being back with you on Monday. Hopefully we're talking about a couple of wins on, on, uh, on the basketball court. That's the hope anyway. But regardless of that, hope that you guys get to get out and have a chance to have uh, a great weekend with friends and family and do some great things in your life. And uh, I'll do my best next week to be a little bit earlier with these shows. I know many of you like to listen to them on the way home. And uh, this week, it's just kind of worked out for me. I've had to do it more in the afternoons. But hopefully things will calm down. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.